Happy New Year's, everyone, and welcome to the future. It's 2024, and if you've got higher earnings or business ownership on your horizon, today I'm going to give you a checklist of how you can make it happen more readily and how you can make your time in that position down the road more fruitful. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So, if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So, be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Are you thinking of growing your business or beginning a journey into entrepreneurship? Take a shortcut to success by buying an existing and profitable business the right way. Visit businessbuyeradvantage.com and learn more about my online training, group coaching, and consulting services designed to help you win. All right, well, today's video was actually inspired by a conversation that I was having with my children the other day. They're both in high school, and my daughter's now getting at the point where uh, teachers are starting to say, you know, you need to figure out what you want to do with your life to try to figure out what sort of post-secondary education is going to be right to meet your goals. And so, you know, as you might imagine, she's trying to figure out what she wants to be when she grows up because she's right on the edge of growing up. And so the problem with that thinking, of course, is that we think about these different roles in society, the firefighter, policeman, doctor, lawyer, etc. And a lot of those positions have been around for a long time. But as we know, with technology and innovation and things that are always changing, chances are something which could be a really great opportunity for my kids several years from now may not even exist today. I mean, today we have literally prompt engineers for generative AI, and two years ago, I don't think that position existed. It, you know, when I went to university, there certainly uh, was no program in how to run a consulting business promoted on YouTube. None of those things existed, you know, like people weren't doing business online. If you wanted to hire a consultant, you went to an office in the city that you lived in and you sat around a table and you talked about stuff and, you know, people made a presentation to you when it was done. Um, very few companies would have looked anything like what my business looks like today. And so as I was talking with my children, I said, you know, instead of trying to think about what kind of job you might want to have in the future, what we should be thinking about are the skills that are going to allow you to be successful in whatever it is that you choose to do. And so I, I use my own example um, in talking with them. So for example, um, you know, when I was in school, I used to participate in public speaking competitions. This was in grade school, grade six, I think. Um, and so that forced me to learn how to speak in front of others. Well, when I then later got my first sales job at 14, I was much more comfortable dealing with strangers because of that experience I had giving presentations in front of groups as a, as a younger child. And then when I got a little bit older, uh, we had a, a, a science center here, like kind of like a museum with presentations. And so that background in sales and public speaking allowed me to get the job of being the guy who demonstrated the Van de Graaff generator, which is that static electricity machine that 
little girls will put their hand on and their hair will stand out on end, for example. And so I got to stand up in front of people and give this presentation, explain how static electricity worked, and all that sort of thing. And um, so as you can see, like each thing builds upon the next. When I got into my later year of high school, I decided to take a theater arts program because I liked getting in front of people. And then when I was in university, I participated in the college radio station that we had here at, at, that we had at university. And here I am on YouTube talking into a little camera, right? And I'm able to sort of make up the script on the fly. I'm able to engage with people do interviews when I have live streams. Um, and it's very natural to me and I'm very much at ease and I'm, I feel that I'm a good communicator and I get a lot of that feedback from everyone out there who watches the videos and they say, thanks for explaining this. Well, what I'm doing today is the fruit of all of those different skills that I built upon throughout the course of my life. And so uh, I was talking with my kids about these skills and then I started to think, hey, you know, I get emails and comments on YouTube and messages on LinkedIn all the time from people that, uh, particularly younger people who say, I wanna be a business owner one day, um, what should I do? What should I be doing? What should I be working on, etc." And so today what I wanna do is I wanna go through what I'm gonna call a skills tool belt checklist of different things that you can work on no matter what stage in life that you're at that will help you if you become a business owner one day, but also are gonna be things that you can take advantage of to earn higher income, even in the world of employment. And so, you know, as I can tell you, people that wanna buy a business or even start one, the more money you have at the beginning of that journey, the, the, the more options you're gonna have in the business world. And so, um, you know, having a higher income while you're employed is certainly gonna be a benefit to you as well. So let me share my screen and, uh, and we'll get into some of these. So the very first one at the top of my list, and I think this is the basis that every successful business person has got to start from, and that is self-discipline and the ability to have deferred gratification. You need to be in control of yourself. If you can't control yourself, if you, you know, just have to do whatever it is that you're doing and you don't have control of what food goes in your mouth or how you spend your money or anything like that, um, all that's going to happen if you end up in a business one day is you will have access potentially to more resources to allow your lack of discipline to create even greater mistakes in the way that you spend those resources. So this is critical and it can start with something very small. I mean, you could choose to give yourself a challenge of simply putting $5 in a savings account every day for 30 days, for example, right? Um, and every day you either transfer the money from your checking into savings <clears throat> or you you know do something to earn the money and you deposit it in the savings account or if you have to you count up your pennies and you you know go deposit them and you put that five dollars in whatever it takes you do it and so obviously the challenge should be something that is going to be a little bit challenging for you but train yourself to be disciplined to do something every day to never ever ever let yourself down um, I've got a good friend who was working on a, a weight loss and fitness challenge um, and he put into his um, plan that he was going to go to the gym three times a week. And so even when he was sick, he would get in his car and he would drive to the gym and he would sit there in the parking lot for a little while knowing that he wasn't in a state to go do a workout, but he did not want to lose the habit 
of going to the gym three times a week. That was the commitment he had made to himself. And so that's just an example of what I'm talking about is you want to become a more disciplined person. Um, you know, and, and how can you do this? Well, you can challenge yourself. You can set goals for yourself. I even recommend people create those little charts on graph paper, for example, or you can do this in Excel very easily where you fill in a box every time you do something or give yourself a gold star, just like the teacher did in grade two when you were learning how to read. So self-discipline's at the top of the list. The next one would be time management. So time management, um, I took this program when I was a business broker from a management training organization called LMI, Leadership Management International. And I think it was, uh, we met every second week for a few hours and they taught me a time management system. And I was able to use that system to double the number of appointments that I had uh, when I had, was a business broker. So I was able to meet twice as many people and therefore get more deals underway and do more business. It was, it was very successful. But the, the program taught me a lot of different things about life planning and, and all sorts of stuff. But the, the, the central part of it was using a day timer and of course, today we don't use paper-based day timers anymore. Most of us, we use an app on our phone. But if you go and take a look online on YouTube, for example, you can find all kinds of videos where people will teach you different calendar management methods. And so if you're not good at organizing your time, if you find yourself missing appointments or things sneak up on you and you're like, oh, I didn't take the time to get ready for that or I didn't take the time to properly prepare, then you've got a time management issue. And it's a very simple skill. We've all got the same 24 hours in a day. Most of us sleep, you know, seven and a half hours out of that day. The rest of the time, you know, no one's got an advantage over you. It's just in how you plan things out and make sure that you get things done. So time management would be another one. Problem solving skills. So every business owner is going to face challenges and you need to figure out how you're going to solve problems. So this can come, you can develop this skill by working on, you know, puzzles and things like that. But what I like to do is I like to think about, you know, strange and different ways that a problem could be solved or some kind of out of left field, weird kind of ways that problems can be solved. And that's going to lean a little bit into one that I've got further down this list. So I'm just going to leave problem solving there as a skill that you can be working on. Critical thinking. So again, we're we're thinking about how um, things work in the world. And a lot of people go out each day and they just react to the world. They don't actually think about how things are done or perhaps why. So there's a philosopher that I know who says, you know, if things need to be addressed, if there's a problem that has to be addressed, uh, the world will move in you know, crazy ways to address that problem. So the events of 2020, for example, in March of 2020, the virus was going around and, um, you know, like a lot of people that were watching the news at that time, you know, when I heard the news of what was happening and saw the imagery coming out of China, I thought, oh my God, this thing is really uh, hazardous or dangerous. And a lot of people agreed that this was a hazardous, dangerous thing. And so then they actually, you know, closed a third of the economy. Now, I don't think before then, if anyone would have ever believed that everyone would kind of be on the same page to close a third of the economy. It's monumental. It's, it's, it's crazy, right? That that was, that that happened, but it's an example of what can happen 
when a lot of people want something to happen. So when you see something, for example, a government program that seems grossly inefficient, and you're like, why do they do it this way? This doesn't make sense. Um, what critical thinking might lead you to believe is, hey, you know what? If this program that everyone thinks is not working is tolerated, and everyone can see that it's not working, and we know perhaps what might have to be done to make it work better, why isn't it ever addressed? Why isn't it ever made better? And so critical thinking might lead you to believe, for example, that the program actually is working. It's just that the stated desired outcome may not be correct. And so examples of this might be, you know, oh, there's so much wasteful spending in maybe, uh, I don't know, military procurement or something like that, right? And you're like, why don't they fix it? If they know that the, this money's being wasted or, or whatever, why don't they fix it? Well, the system is working perfectly for the people that maybe established the system and it's meeting their goals and it's doing what they wanted to do, right? So that, that would be critical thinking, is understanding how the world is working and figuring things out for yourself and not just taking everything that you're told uh, for granted. The, the next one after that would be strategic thinking. So improving your efficiency and effectiveness at figuring out how to put the pieces of your own plan together in a correct order. So, you know, uh, again, games are gonna help with this. Uh, you know, the, the classic one, of course, is chess. For me, when I was a teenager growing up, I used to play this game called Axis and Allies, which was a board game, um, and it was a simulation of World War II. And it took a long time for each player, there were five different players, each player to make their move, and it involved deciding what kind of uh, you know, military elements you wanted to build in your factories, and then you would have to make your offensive moves and fight your battles, then you would make your non-offensive move and non-combat moves. Uh, and then you would place the, the pieces that you had built during that term that you planned initially now get placed at the end of the turn. And you're always trying to think about um, the next turn that one of your allies is going to play, right? And so you're trying to coordinate together against the other side. And it just, it leads you to needing to think very long term and also being adaptable because of course you never know what's, there was a lot of dice rolling base uh, to determine the outcome of some of these battles. And so you would have a plan, but you couldn't be certain that it was gonna work out the way you planned it. And so you had to always be adapting and everything. <clears throat> well, thinking about things in that way is something that I do in business all the time. And it's something that every business owner has to do where you're trying to figure out how to deploy the resources you have in your business and figure out what the most likely outcomes might be of one thing or another, and figuring out what is probably the least risky or safest way or surest way with the maximum gain way to deploy your business's assets. So that's all strategic thinking and something you can work on. So when I meet someone, for example, who um, you know wants to bet the farm on a one in 10,000 chance occurrence happening like that doesn't make sense to me right um but people do that and it's because they haven't really been thinking about it strategically you know i i run into this an awful lot with people who are about to get themselves into over leveraged positions when they buy businesses you know they want to put their last nickel as a, into the down payment to buy the absolute biggest business that they can 
And when I ask them, you know, what happens if there's this small thing that this bump in revenue or what happens if your three biggest customers take an extra 20 days to pay? And they haven't thought about this stuff. But when you ask those questions and they're like, oh, and, and they start to realize just what, how precarious their situation might be. And they realize maybe this isn't the best way to do it. So how do you avoid those risks, right? This is all strategic thinking. And, you know, there's a lot of great books on this. Uh, and like I said, playing games can help you with this. Financial literacy. So understanding finances, learning how to read financial statements, learning how they're made, learning about things like cash flow statements. So, you know, tuning into this YouTube channel, for example, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to increase financial and small business literacy. Um, and, you know, if you if you really want to dig into this stuff, there's all kinds of books you can read. There's all kinds of YouTube channels that are just about financial statements or understanding financial statements. Uh, the big one would be, though, if you head over to bizplanschool.com, that's where my cash flow forecasting and business plan writing uh, program is. Um, that is, it's almost like a college course uh, because I teach you from scratch how to build a sales forecast then how to turn that into a cash flow forecast and then how to turn that into um, income statements and balance sheets, et cetera, and sort of build out the whole thing. And when you go through that process step-by-step, step, uh, you're gonna learn so much about just what kind of information is being relayed to you when you look at a set of financial statements that are being produced by um, an accountant out there for, for someone to look at. So bizplanschool.com is a great resource for that. So financial literacy, that's another skill. Listening and empathy. So you've probably heard the term active listening. The, the problem with listening is this our mouths only move at a certain speed. And so it's a much slower speed than what our brains can think. And so if you're with a person and they're speaking to you, like you might be listening to me right now at one time speed. Some people listen to me at two times speed. How can they process it? Well, because their thinking again is more than two times faster than a two times speed video, right? The problem with the fact that we think faster than we can talk is that it leaves room for thoughts to distract you when you're supposed to be paying attention to the person that you're listening to. And so in active listening or listening and empathy skills, what we're trying to do is we're trying to really tune in and focus on what the other person is saying. I've been in so many sales presentations where people have given vital little tidbits of information that help me formulate a proposal that will address their needs. Sometimes I'm in these presentations with other people, these conversations with other people. I can remember a couple of instances vividly where the other people I was with didn't collect any of those tidbits of information. They were in the same room as me. They were part of the same conversation as I was, but I gathered so much more out of what the other person said than they did because they weren't actually focused on the other person. So what do we do? While another person is talking is we think about what we want to say, or we think of an, a time where, or a story that is comparable maybe, and we want to share that. And so a lot of the times when we're listening, we're actually just waiting to talk and we're trying to think up the thing that we're going to say, right? That You need to train yourself not to do that. You need to train yourself to focus on the other person. And so some of the sort of tips and tricks that I've deployed over the course of time are asking myself a, a small set of questions. So when I'm listening to someone speak, I will ask myself, 
how would this event or series of things that the person is telling me make this person feel? How, like, so, so I actually think, what would they be feeling about these things that they're telling me, right? Or how might these events affect this person's goals or outcomes or what they're trying to do or what their plan is, right? And when you start to think about it in that way and you, you start to pose in your own mind further questions about what you're being told, well, that makes it that much easier to ask an, a pertinent question when it is your time to speak to further deep dive into this conversation topic. The whole idea behind listening and empathy skills is to get as much information and understanding out of the interaction with the other person. And that's critical when it comes down to, you know, sales, um, negotiating, etc., which are things that are going to be on this list further down. So listening and empathy, the next one leads me into communication skills. So in everything to do with business, you have to be able to communicate effectively. You have to be able to, you know, formulate correct written documentation, letters, emails, etc. You have to be able to talk with another person and make yourself understood. You uh, can you learn skills to present to a group of people. Whether you're in sales or whether you're the CEO, it doesn't matter. You're going to be making presentations and doing communications in one shape or form or another at all times when you're in the world of business, right? So don't hide behind the excuse, excuse that you're an introvert in some way. Every time I do the Myers-Briggs personality test, I always come out as an introvert. I have put a lot of effort into building these communication skills over the course of my life. And it's a key thing for anyone that's going to be in a high income position or own a business one day. Um, networking, again, don't hide behind the fact that you're an introvert or something like that. Uh, learning how to build a strong network is going to be an invaluable skill. And so everyone out there, and this relates a little bit to the sales one that's just below it. Everyone out there is always thinking about themselves and their own problems and their own plan and what they're trying to do, right? So the key to networking is very similar to the key of sales, is how can you be of service to other people? And so some of the most effective networkers that I've ever run into have been people that have approached me with a view of trying to share or offer some form of help or something that would be of value, value to me. And so it then creates an enticing engagement like, oh, you know, because believe me, I get hit up so many times on various social media where people are just trying to sell me something and they're just pitch, 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 pitching. And what they're doing is they're not offering value. They're trying to get my money. It's, it's different, right? And it comes across differently. And so somebody who says, hey, you know, Dave, um, I'm getting together with some other business owners. We're going to be doing a lunch. And there could be some people there who might need your services one day. So now think about that invitation. So I'm being asked to give up some of my time, but it's clear now to me that investing this time in going to this luncheon event in this example um, could potentially lead to me getting some business, right? So now it's something that holds value for me. And, and for the person who invited me, maybe they have something that they're trying to sell to me, but they've created this opportunity for me to enjoy value. And that's what makes me want to participate in this. And if I go to the lunch and I enjoy myself and I meet some other people, whether I do business or not, 
I'm going to then associate this positive interaction with the person who invited me, right? And so that person is networking with me. At some point in the future, if there's ever any reason for us to communicate again, I'm going to be more willing to talk to that person, right? So this is networking as a skill. It's going to be helpful for anyone in life, in particular people in the world of business and business ownership. Sales, sales skills. Um, again, whether you're selling something or whether you're in a sales role in a business or not, people are always selling things all the time. You're always trying to get other people to agree with what it is maybe that you propose or you want to do. You're trying to convince other people, you know, if you understand the solution to something, you need to convince others that this is the correct solution. Guess what? You're selling, right? So working on sales skills is going to be critical. And sales is one of the few sort of functional areas of business where someone can have a very high income without necessarily having to have a, um, a lot of education, formal education. And so for people that maybe are not going to go to post-secondary ed education, people that are not going to go you know, get a college degree, um, a lot of the times then you're like, well, how am I going to earn any decent money? Sales can be the one avenue where there, it can be limitless. If you can work on those skills and you can sell things of high value and you can have some kind of commission or incentive-based pay, you can earn a lot of money. Um, you know, I studied business in school uh, because I loved business, but in the world of business, I was almost always in the sales department and earning a lot more in a lot of cases than some of the other managers in the business. So sales, important skill, but it's also a discipline or area of work that is going to deliver high income. And at the end of the day, when you own a business, you know, ultimately the sales of the organization are going to be your responsibility. And so it pays to know these skills and to be able to help other people learn these skills, to train other people, et cetera. And so one of the things that I've often done actually when people want to buy a business is they'll say, you know, what things should I do once I get in there? Um, one of the common things that I recommend that they do is to get some sales training if they've never done sales before in their life. Negotiation skills. Related in a little bit, uh, related to sales, obviously, uh, but it is a different skill set. In sales, sometimes you don't have the ability to modify the price or other terms, for example, depending on what you're selling. In negotiation, it's really taking advantage of the listening skills that we talked about earlier, the empathy that we talked about earlier, trying to understand the position that your potential uh, deal-making partner counterparty is in and understanding what they see of value and how you can create that value for them, maybe that at a cost that is lower than their perceived value and that's where your profit is, right? But without understanding what their desired outcomes are, um, you're going to have a harder time making your offer valuable to them. So I was speaking with some some people that were doing an entrepreneur program. These these were people that had just finished high school. And uh, we were having a conversation. Their, their project was about maple syrup. And so they said, we're going to create this maple syrup brand and here's how we're going to sell it. And one of their sort of planks was we're going to sell maple syrup to restaurants. And then they actually had done some research and they said, here are restaurants in the city that serve breakfast, but amazingly do not offer maple syrup for people that order pancakes or something, right? They, they sell, they offer corn syrup instead. And so I asked one question. I said, what 
do you think the reason is that these restaurants do not offer maple syrup? And they couldn't answer me, right? And I'll tell you guys, you know, maple syrup is like, I don't know, eight to 20 times more expensive than corn syrup, right? So the restaurateur who's trying to deliver a meal at a certain price point, uh, they can't have this crazy, um, you know, expensive cost item as part of what they're delivering because they won't be able to make their margin or whatever. And so without understanding the position of the restaurateur, it's going to be really hard to sell them, you know, the maple syrup. So in this instance, for example, what might make sense would be to have some small single serving type of maple syrups that maybe the restaurant could offer as a premium, right? So, you know, for an extra dollar, you can have this small container of real maple syrup and then just let the customers choose and create a profit center for the restaurant instead of just coming in trying to convince them to raise their costs, which, you know, smart business people don't wanna look for ways to increase their costs, right? And so the last one is innovation. So when I was in university, I actually took a course called Innovation. And it was based upon a book that one of the professors at the school had read on a flight once. And it was all based around how you can actually become more innovative by putting yourself through some different uh, sort of mental exercises. And one of the classic examples of this is independent uh, suspension in cars. So if you go back to the 1960s, for example, a lot of cars had an axle that went straight across from uh, the right-hand side of the car to the left-hand side, one in the front and one in the rear. And you would attach a wheel on each end of it, uh, each end of the axle, and, um, and that's how the wheels worked, right? And so the wheels turned. So one day, as the story goes, somebody asked the engineers at GM, how could we build a car that would work if it had square wheels? And so they quickly realized that, you know, if the wheels were not aligned properly, um, that they wouldn't be able to, to get it to, to roll. And so they said, well, what if we cut the axle in two and we have two sort of half length axles that have their own independent spring and suspension, we could then turn these square wheels and we could get it to work, right? And so, Square wheeled cars is a ridiculous idea, but the ridiculous idea led to a solution which once they had come up with the idea, they realized, wow, this independent suspension thing would solve a whole host of other problems and make the cars more comfortable, easier to uh, operate, more efficient, all that other kind of stuff. And so innovation is a skill that you can develop and you can use and you can improve your innovativeness. Uh, by working on this. And yeah, so anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. This is my um, my list of skills that you can work on to improve yourself and improve your odds of doing a high income employment career or uh, being a better business owner when that opportunity comes along. And if you are serious, of course, about being a business owner and you don't want the risk of doing a startup, um, you want to have customers already in place and you want to make sure that the business is already profitable, then I would recommend you check out buying a business. And the place where I can help you with that is over at businessbuyeradvantage.com. And with that, I'll say thank you very much. If I've forgotten an important skill that you think should have been on this list, just go down in the comments uh, below here on YouTube and please add it. Uh, I love to see what you guys come up with. And with that, I'll say see you later. 
So, how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Go over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, and more. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go to Mark Willis at Lake Growth Financial, today's video sponsor. Mark helps people better manage their personal and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've seen others use it successfully for years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find all the interviews I've done with Mark and learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up for a free consultation to learn what this solution might look like for you.